our ninth annual end of the year awards program. Matt, Mark, Gary, Darren, and I have scanned thousands of panels in search of our favorite characters, story arcs, moments, and art from 2021. And if you've listened to this podcast enough times, you know that we don't necessarily elevate things as over each other insofar as claiming it's the best. We like picking our personal favorites. But please, feel free to send us your faves in the Apple Podcast comments or Instagram page, and we'll run through them on the next episode. And we're going to start with our multimedia selections for the best of 2021, which saw the return of so many of our favorites after long droughts. But we are going to talk comics before the end of this episode. In part two, we are going to be all comics all the time. But we are going to kick off with the biggest all-encompassing moments from, you know, whatever the thing is that we thought had a great moment. And I'll start that with the big WandaVision reveal from that wonderful Disney Plus show where we finally found out why they were going through the different time frames and what was going on with Wanda and Vision. Mark? I am going to say my absolute favorite of the year was the Suicide Squad, the Harley Quinn prison break sequence. Possibly one of the best representations of a character from the demented cartoons to the awesome fight choreography. Amazing. All right. From my all-encompassing moment. Now, now, I cheated here a little bit. So, guys, since the episode was recorded and aired last year, you guys recorded it, you aired it on December 10th. So I kind of figured, much like the Academy Awards, anything that happens after December 10th is kind of fair game for what I'm going to choose for my year. So I took a little bit of artistic license here. AKA I cheated. And I'm going to say the biggest moment for me happened during 2020. In fact, on December 18th in 2020, uh, it was Skywalker's appearance at the end of Mandalorian season two left me with chills. I rewatched the entire series from start to that point, which is the finish of the season two. Now I thought I was going to say something like Dune, but it ended up being that I had to go with that one. Cause that was the one that my brain hooked on the most. So that's going to be my consideration for the biggest all encompassing moment for 2021, <clears throat> 2020. That's a good one. And you didn't have, you, you had a very short window if you're going to try to fit it into 2020 for sure. <laughs> Now, last year I had the passing of Chadwick Boseman in this spot, which I offered that he is now to Marvel what Christopher Reeve is to DC. And I thought about going with Richard Donner in this spot, but I plan on doing something with his Superman time once Superman 78 concludes. So this year I'm going to keep it a bit lighter. Now, before I deliver my selection, a bit of context. Jesse Owens dominating the 1936 Olympics in Nazi Germany as Hitler looked on. The 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team's Miracle on Ice. Bobby Thompson's shot heard round the world. Hey, the Cavs rally from 3-1 down to win the 2016 NBA Finals. All among the most historically important sports moments that help weave the tapestry that is American sporting culture, which is to say, the fabric of American society, especially if you're a Clevelander. However, I think we can agree that these moments, while monumental, are but a mere delicate petal to the bonsai-like majesty of the 1984 All-Valley Under-18 Karate Tournament, which is now, <laughs> unquestionably, perhaps unfathomably, the most important sports moment in history. The AVU-AKT's final outcome sent a ripple effect throughout time that defies all science, fantasy, logic, and let's be honest, believability. The championship match... Between unknown Daniel LaRusso and returning champ Johnny Lawrence is best encapsulated in ESPN 30 for 30's episode of the same name. Yes, there is a 30 for 30 on the 1984 All-Valley Under-18 Karate Tournament. I'm not making that up. The unexpected outcome of that match would not reach its ultimate conclusion until 36 years later in the most poetic of ways. The only way it could ever truly be decided. You guessed it. Three feuding teenage karate dojos in Reseda, California. My biggest, my selection for biggest all-encompassing moment is the feud between Miyagi-Do Karate, Cobra Kai, and God, I love saying this, Eagle Fang Karate in Cobra Kai Season 3. Garino? Wow. Okay. Um... 
This one is just for me. Okay, we had a new Kids in the Hall season announced. History of the World Part 2 announced. Battle Chasers number 10 announced. But nothing comes close to the arrival of Unicron in my home. <laughs> the 35-year fascination with the character. The tease of its pending existence and the crushing realization that due to responsibilities, I wouldn't have one. The fanboy giddiness of actually seeing one. The Lloyd Christmas level of hope of the possibility that there might actually be a way to pull it off. The physical and mental toll of the earlier mornings and later evenings put in to secure the funding in a way that wouldn't take food out of my family's mouth. The sheer gut-wrenching moment of truth when I made the cold call offer. The terror of hearing that my offer was accepted. The panic and the guilt of taking it home and the sheer ecstasy of taking that thing out of the box and putting it out for display. It was my white whale. Everything else I got was cool. My G1 Predaking, my diecast Nemesis Prime, my graded Transformers number five. But there is nothing out there that was as satisfying and zen as this was. And outside of maybe a six foot tall transformable Spaceball one, I don't think anything ever will. <laughs> well done, sir. Thank you. Thank Very you. good. Very good. Hello, <laughs> my baby. As as Gary uh, gently pets his prized possession, let's move on to our favorite on-screen villain. I decided to go with yet another uh, Disney Plus reveal, which was King the Conqueror at the end of Loki. I just I saw it coming. I think we all did in some way, shape, or form. But the way they portrayed him really took a new spin on the character, and I'm excited to see where it could potentially go with the MCU. So it was hard not to get kind of excited about his existence. Mark? I'm going to say uh, my favorite on-screen villain, uh, I'm giving this one once, I'm giving this to Homelander off of the boys. That is just the villain that I love to hate now a couple of seasons in a row. The guy is I such he's a hero. And no, he is not. <laughs> he is just such a wretched piece of crap. I just, I love to hate the guy. He, and he plays it so well. Nice. Yeah, if I hadn't actually watched the film, uh, just looked at the credits itself, I would have probably gone with Ray Winstone and the Black Widow. But the problem was, is I did watch that movie, which means that I got to see the fact that his character just kind of sucked. And, and that's no... Uh, knock against Ray Winstone. He's still one of my favorite actors and he's, his voice is one of my favorite voices to listen to, but even he and his amazing voice couldn't salvage that turd fest. Therefore, I'm going to have to go with a movie that really shocked me and a character that I really enjoyed hating throughout that movie. And that's going to be Taika Waititi from free guy. I don't know if you guys have seen this movie. It is ridiculous. And the character he plays is easily one of the, biggest douchers we have ever had to watch on these uh on the in these last couple of years and certainly from this last year he was hilarious oh no oh, no no they got him they know taika did not like what he was hearing and took him out oh, uh, hopefully he'll jump back online. in yeah oh man well don't mess right, with taika sweet. That's, there, there's yeah. our lesson. This dude is in the God seat over at Marvel. And I think we all know what that means now. That means... Don't there you, was a discouraging is, word spoken. He is listening, is what I'm saying. And Matt, well, I hope we I hope we hear from him again some point. Uh, but I'll go ahead and I'll keep things moving along. Uh, my favorite on-screen villain, and I'm Phil, I know you didn't select this, but I'm sure you'll agree with the choice. I'm going to go with actor... Martin Cove as John Kreese in Cobra Kai Season 3. And I'm not overstating my case when I say he delivers one of the best villainous performances in recent memory. His backstory, finally revealed, is pretty much what you envisioned it would be. Garyama? I'm going to go for my favorite on-screen villain with Triclops from uh, Masters of the Universe mm -hmm. Revelation Part 1. Uh, voiced by Henry Rollins, uh, we find Skeletor's mechanized henchman as the head of a technology-based religious cult in Snake Mountain. Uh, singing the praises of technology after the loss of magic, 
Triclops is one of the few characters met in the series that left much of an impression on me at all. Philip. Yes, moving forward from villains to heroes. Man, did I struggle with this one a little bit. Um, but I had to I had to lean into my druthers. The first thing that came to my mind, which was Mark Grayson, better known as Invincible. The betrayal of that character in that animated show was everything I could have hoped it to be and actually a little bit more. Um, it just felt, although not completely true to the comics, as true to the comics as I could ever hope with them trying to modernize it a bit. And man, man, am I looking forward to a second season because of him. How much Mark? are you looking forward to it? You know, more than you could ever, ever hope. And our ghost from Internet Past just reappeared, so he should pop in in a second. All right. Well, I'm going to say uh, I, I also went back and forth a few times on this one. I had a couple of hopefuls who almost took the top spot, but I'm going with Loki. Ooh. I loved the series. I thought his character arc in the show was fantastic. And Tom Hiddleston just put so much emotion and nuance into his portrayal all this time. Not that he doesn't always with this character, but he just took it to a level that I didn't think he could top. And so, yeah, he just blew me away with his performance and the way the character was written. I loved it. Isn't Loki a villain? No. I, I think you got this messed up, Mark. You picked a hero for a villain and a villain for a hero. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the notes. I'm, I'm going with anti-hero. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. All right. So some of these films I haven't been able to watch yet. So unfortunately, that meant that I couldn't include our standard protagonists. So I can't necessarily go with Daniel Craig as Bond. I can't do Bob Odenkirk from the movie Nobody, or I can't choose Hank from Finch. Therefore, I'm really left with just a couple of heroes in particular that I really enjoyed, and that would be Ryan Reynolds from the aforementioned Free Guy or Timothy Chalamet from Dune. With that said, I'm going to have to pick Paul Atreides here in his messianic role as the savior of the planet of Arrakis. So I'm going my hero, my favorite on-screen hero, is going to be Paul Atreides. Darren. My favorite on-screen hero is probably not going to be much of a surprise. I am going with William Zabka as Johnny Lawrence in Cobra Kai Season 3. His journey to true sensei status, albeit a very foul-mouthed sensei, is nearly complete as he prepares Eagle Fang Karate for the 2022 All-Valley Under-18 Karate Tournaments. Garbanzo. All right. Well, my favorite on-screen hero, uh, Tila, Masters of the Universe Revelation Part 1. Um, the entire season pretty much revolved around her and her reacquainting with old friends in an attempt to reforge the power sword after it was cleaved in two. Um, that's pretty much it. Um, and, and I'll explain why. Uh, what else you got, guys? What's next? Okay. No, it was literally it for me, Kila. No, yeah. no, no, fair enough. <laughs> okay. I feel like later. there's more in there, I'll but, like, you know. Well, he goes, I'll explain why. That's I know, it. so we all just sit there and stare later. at him dumbly. I was, I I was waiting for later. Why? Story at 11. I got you, got you. Well, I'm we got to say why keep later. teasing for the next. Yeah, I, well done. <laughs> nice, 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 nice there, Gary. Good, 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 good. All, all right. right, so favorite comic book related adapted TV show or movie I am piggybacking off of my hero with Invincible. Once again, that show is way better than it had any business being. It, it, it's fantastic, and I cannot say it enough. If you have not seen it, even if you have no idea what the source material is and you are of a mature audience, go watch Invincible on Amazon Prime. It is worth your time. Mark? Well, Phil, I'm just going to back you up on this one. I had a lot vying for the top spot. I almost went Suicide Squad, and then I thought, no, there's only one answer for me, Invincible. That so show was so amazingly well-written. The animation that gave me flashbacks to Young Justice style, I just everything about it, it's the perfect package for me. I could not find any fault with that season. It was great. Matt. Uh, that was that was very fantastic. You're absolutely right. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed getting caught up on the comics and I enjoyed the adaptation of it. 
but I mean, I've already kind of talked about it a little bit, both in previous episodes and in my last response. My favorite adaptation, and I'm going to cheat a little bit here because I know they've also made comic books about it. It's going to be Dune. I mean, I was looking, it was on my list of things that I was looking forward to for 2021. The movie didn't disappoint. It was an amazing adaptation of a pre-existing material. I thought it was outstanding. So I'm going with Dune. Darren. We now live in a world where I can say with delight that we have what could be the most definitive live action Superman outside of, or at least since Christopher Reeve and Richard Donard's collaborations. Superman and Lois delivered a stunning first season that made even the most unforgiving Arrowverse critics take notice. And, and I am still going with Cobra Kai season three as my favorite comic book related adapted TV show or movie. Phil, I know we're on the same page here. We have spoken so fondly of this show since its debut. I've sort of run out of superlatives to talk about how much fun it is. I mean, Creasy's backstory, Allie's return, Daniel and Johnny's reconciliation. There's no metric to gauge why or how this show exists, is approaching its fourth season with a fifth on the way, and is still so good. I, this is one of those shows... Now, Mark, I know you haven't seen it. Um, if I tried to explain it to you, you're going to look at me and go, that sounds like the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. And I'm going to go, yeah, it sure does, doesn't it? Which makes I, me really want to watch it because it sounds like the most ridiculously stupid thing I've ever heard of. Yeah. And I want to see it. Absolutely it absolutely is. you know that rock music can make you walk. That's yeah. all you need to know. White snake can <laughs> cure paralysis. These are things, as long as you accept that white snake can cure paralysis going in, you're going to be exactly where you need to be, man. Um, I, I don't even know how to describe this. I just like, just shut up and watch it. I mean, you, so you've got these. So here's here's me explaining it. So you've got these three feuding dojos with a bunch of teens. You mean in feudal Japan? No, no, no. In 2021, just outside of Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> you just throw up your hands and go. First of all, that that thing grabs you from like the first five minutes of the first episode. You're like, well, all right then. Um, just, it's just, it's the, it's just the little engine that could, and you know where this train's going and you, it's so derivative and so cliched, but you wouldn't have it any other way. G spot. Well, my favorite comic book related adapted TV show or movie, any guesses? Masters of the universe revelation part one. You're going to notice a trend and here's why. Um, I literally watched three things this entire year that I can remember. Uh, Masters of the Universe, Revelation Part 1, uh, Transformers Earthrise and Kingdom, and a Fathom Entertainment Encore presentation of Labyrinth. So most of what I thought I had watched was actually in 2020. Uh, so And so little did I enjoy the Transformers series that it qualified for none of my categories. Ooh. Mark and I have had a small conversation on this via text, and uh, it, it's it's like, have you ever had one of those friends that, like, you were with them when something happened, and then every time you hear them tell the story, it changes, and it, like, it gets bigger and more grandiose, and that's what this Transformers feels like. It's like, you already told me this is what was happened, or this is what has happened, I saw it when it happened, and now you're trying to convince me that it's this other thing? No, no, that's not. Just make up your mind, run with it. That sounds like the Star Wars. All right, I'm so sorry, Gary. It's okay. You look I'm better now. Are, are you? Are you sure? Show me yeah, why Transformers no. hurt you. They, they did. But I got. I'm on baby. the Unicron. I got my baby. No. Uh-huh. Okay. <clears throat> All right, keeping the ball rolling. This next section, we are finally going to insert a little bit of comic bookiness, I do believe, at least I will. And that is our rest in peace character. Someone that we said farewell to through a series cancellation, just cancellation themselves, killed off a sayonara of a comic book that we decided to no longer follow, what have you. And my pick this year is Adam Ositis from Seven to Eternity. Uh, man the whole tumultuous trip that that comic was, which fantastic. If you have not read 
Uh, most of the comic did take place in 2020, so I consider it a 2020 comic, but we did get the conclusion in 2021, which is when Osiris finishes the journey. Uh, I don't want to really spoil, but I felt very connected to him in the idea of trying to break away from what your parents did and still being haunted by that. And I thought it was very cool. Uh, so Adam Asidus was mine for this year. Mark? Uh, I'm going to go with, this is actually the last episode of his Dark Material Season 2 aired at the end of 2020, but I didn't see it until 2021, so I'm still counting it. But I am going with Lin-Manuel Miranda's character, Lee Scoresby. Uh, the loss of that character hit me pretty hard. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda played him with an excellent mix of rough and tumble and compassion. And he was a character that just really grew on me that I really loved and going to miss him. All right, my rest in peace. Now, season six is almost upon us. And in fact, when you're listening to this, season six may have easily started. But I'm going to have to revisit one of the best shows that I've watched over the last couple of years. And I got caught up on it. It began in 2015, and it's going to be concluding after season six, or at least that's what we've been told. And that's going to be The Expanse. And in there is a character named Alex. Now, Alex was a character who's a Martian, and he's got like a cowboy-esque quality to him. And, And as far as a character goes... He was a really, it was a sad character to watch go. Uh, and he suffered from a stroke in the second to last episode of the season six. Um, but apparently he had to die for some off-screen issues. And apparently the guy's a real pig in real life, um, which we're obviously bummed to find out about. But uh, I really thought the character of Alex brought an amazing element to the crew of the Rocinante. And uh, I was bummed to see that that character had to go. So mine is going to be Alex from The Expanse. We hardly knew ye. That's not true. In fact, actually, he was a major character from the season one. But anyway, we got to like him and he left. Darren. My favorite character doesn't die. Uh, Well, he did at one point, then he came back. Um, This is through the series conclusion, and that's Mr. Spock from Star Trek Year 5. Yeah, a bit of an odd choice here, given that this character has been around for 55 years and, of course, certain to endure. And here's the thing. I will never be able to choose who my favorite Star Trek character is. Like, I can't elevate Kirk over Spock, Spock over Kirk, or Bones over any one of those. Because Kirk's cowboy diplomacy doesn't work if Spock's not there to point out the logic and Bones isn't there to completely freak out. Um, Spock's logic doesn't work if Kirk's not there to just ignore it and Bones isn't there to completely freak out. Um, But in this year, Star Trek Year 5 was such... A pleasant surprise um and then of course in this kirk mccoy and spock are the heavyweights but uhura scotty Chekhov, and sulu all have their own arcs and terrific moments in the recently concluded series but from beginning to end this thing definitely belonged to spock g love my rest in peace character and i will qualify this by saying this was actually the first one on this list that i filled out Prince Adam from Masters of the Universe Revelation Part 1. We saw that coming. In the final minutes of the last episode of Season 1, we witnessed Prince Adam being run through from behind by Skeletor, right before Skeletor claims the power of Castle Grayskull. Uh, This is actually the second time we get to witness Adam die in this season. This was the better of the two. The end. The end. You're not going to explain more about that. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to give too many spoilers away for those who haven't seen it. Yeah, it was until part two came out. Part, yeah. part two just came out like last week. It did. I saw. I'm, I'm going to actually maybe try to watch. Now nah, I'm a liar. I'll never watch it. Let's I enjoyed part two quite a bit. I, I watched yeah, it. Yeah, is I it good? It. It's really good. I okay. saw it. I, I'm, I'm, that I'm was kind of what we're talking about. I'm, I'm not really sure what we're talking about. Hey, Gary, what was the name of it? You didn't mention the title of the thing. <laughs> Dune. It was Dune. Dune, yeah. Dune, Dune. Dune. yeah. Dune. All right. Let's, uh, let, let's, let's approach this last topic from our first part here, which is the Rest in Peace title, show, or movie series. Kind of the same premise as the you know, individual character. But this is a whole thing. Uh, for me, I have some major recency bias on this because it just wrapped a couple weeks ago, last week, week before. 
And uh, it's a book that actually Gary has also read, which is Scotty Young and Jorge Corona's The Me You Love in the Dark. Five-part limited series. I I feel like I, I've talked a lot about their, their duo books, um, with uh, Middle West being the last one. Uh, just dealing a lot with... There's kind of like a ridiculous premise where something like outside of the realm of what we actually deal with this in this example it's like a kind of ghost thing uh but in reality it's like dealing with sorting through abusive relationships and how that actually affects a person and battling with depression and it's just oh man is it phenomenal did you get a read issue five gary i have not picked it up yet i haven't been up to the shop in several weeks I will. I will tell you a favor. Do not look at the. Don't look at the cover really hard. There's a little bit of a spoiler on the cover, so put your hand on it and open it. Okay. Well, I, I've, I've right. seen the picture, but I have not studied it. So. Okay. Don't study it. Boy, is it fantastic! If you like stuff that is dealing with human emotion and going a little bit deeper than just like a cape and someone punching someone, this is where it's at. So again, that title, quite long, but The Me You Love in the Dark by Scotty Young, art by Jorge Corona. Mark? All right, well, I'll keep mine a little brief because I've already discussed this at length in another episode, uh, but my pick for Farewell is DuckTales. The 2017 reboot by Matt Youngerberg is an amazing reimagining of the property everything in it from david tennant as uncle scrooge to the matching of the old carl barks donald duck comic book artwork is just fantastic it is a love letter to fans of these characters and if you haven't checked it out highly recommend doing so yeah if you don't want to yell that anytime you hear ducktales right you're you're not from our generation <laughs> yeah i was gonna do it but i didn't because he was speaking but you waited till he was done so. i did i was kind but then it was out of place yeah it was still there he's still talking ducktales all right there you go so yeah well i'm at a bit of a loss here because i don't watch shows the way i would have even like three or four years ago so unfortunately uh with that said i i Started to review some of the shows that I once watched or maybe season here or there, but are now being canceled. And I was kind of surprised. So on some of the lists that they were talking about. Um, so here are some of the shows that are going to be leaving us. And I'll just mention them because at one point or another, I did watch them. I mean, that would be The Walking Dead is going to be done after 11 seasons. I don't know. I haven't seen it since they killed Glenn. American Gods, which is unfortunate because I'm a big Neil Gaiman fan, as you guys know, but that kind of lost me after season one, but apparently they're canceling that after the third season. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I'll be honest with you guys, I didn't realize that was still on TV um, because I stopped watching it after episodes or seasons three and four, or three or four, I'm not really sure. And the only show that I actually still watch that I know is going to be canceled hasn't even aired its final season yet, and that would be Ozark. So if we're really looking back on this, the only thing that I really can say goodbye to and my reserving my biggest goodbye would be kind of a hearkening back to a couple of podcasts ago where Darren and Mark talked about their most favorite Bonds. And I'm saying goodbye to Daniel Craig as James Bond. Mm. No Time to Die was his reportedly his last 007 uh, film. Um, but since I'm rewatching the films and following along with what Mark and Darren were doing in their amazing podcast, I'm a little upset that arguably my favorite Bond is going to be leaving. So it's not a show, it's not a movie, but it's rather the character's portrayal of a character or a person's character or an actress portrayal of a character that I think we all love. And that's going to be Daniel Craig as Bond. R.I.P. Darren, or I'm sorry. Uh, see, I'm going to try to do something here with like what you're doing with Gary. Um, D. Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's D A A Ron. D A A Ron. <laughs> he is special sauce, by the way. Yeah, I was hoping you'd pick up on that when I said G Love. There was no, a I did. I caught it. Was... <laughs> special sauce is how I'd like to be referred to for the remainder of this episode. That's right. Um, my farewell or rest in peace is a title that concluded, and that it'd be Star Trek Year Five again. This thing kind of came out of. Hyperspace. Oh, well, sweet. No, that see now that's Star Wars. It came out of warp drive, or yeah, it, it, it was really good. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, and it was a very surprisingly good. Uh, and it started out only to be a 12 issue event. 
Uh, Star Trek Year 4 was also uh, done by IDW about just ahead of us doing the podcast. It was one of my very first picks. It was wrapping up. I think it was our first couple of episodes. And they finally got around to doing Year 5, which is the fifth year of the five-year mission to explore strange new worlds and seek out new life and civilizations. It ballooned into a 25-issue examination of what happens after I can't think of any questions left unaddressed regarding the events between the original five years missions end and the return to the Enterprise leading into the events of Star Trek The Motion Picture. Motion Picture. Baba Gernoosh. <laughs> All right, guys. Ready for this one? My Rest in Peace title show movie series. Any guesses? Masters of the Universe Revelations? No, Wrong. that can't be it. After saving the show from cancellation from Fox after season three, Netflix pulled the plug on Lucifer. Uh, starring Mark's choice for comic book Joker, Tom Ellis, in the title role. Yeah. Based off of a character from a Neil Gaiman Sandman series, the show lasted six seasons and 93 episodes. My wife watches this, and it was on... In the background constantly. So while I technically didn't really sit down to watch it, I saw most of it. Or at least heard it while I was trying to sleep upstairs. That show lives and dies on Tom Ellis' charisma. (laughs) I agree. I I agree. Um, Oh, man. Smallville. Uh, Clark Kent. Tom Welling. Yeah. Tom Welling. Yeah, Yeah, he was in what? One season? Two seasons. Season three or four. I forget which. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, that was just a little tidbit on there. One. But, yeah, Lucifer was canceled. Um, it will no longer be on in my background. I hear, uh, what's the, the lead character's name again? Tom Ellis? Tom Ellis, Lucifer? He's, a, yeah. he, he's uh, mentioned as an outside choice for the next Bond in many circles. Hmm. Just as an aside. Mm, I don't he, think he I can see that. that debonair type thing, but... I, I, if they're going, but like Mark said know. a while ago, he could do those crazy eyes really well, and I don't think that's a Bond thing. I, I think he'd be a great joker. Yeah. Still pulling for it. All right. So that is my pick for series Bon Voyage. Rest in peace. Or whatever it is we're calling it. Well, it's rest in peace. Right there in the title, foo. Yes, there it is. It is on the page. Yes, rest in peace. You're correct. All right, excellent. The next segment we're going to do is going to be called Crosstalk. I'll give you a topic. No. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to talk about Crosstalk. We're going to go ahead and kind of review what it was that somebody brought up and ask a few questions about these things or give your opinions on what it was that uh, somebody brought up. So, folks, is there anything that you want to say about anybody's favorite villain, biggest all-encompassing moments, favorite on-screen hero, so on and so forth. Darren. Yeah, Gary, what led you to uh, checking out Masters of the Universe? Because uh, I know that's more, um, I've sort of carried the torch on this show about that. And, uh, you know, we you, we spoke many times about Transformers is where it was at for you. You were aware of Masters of the Universe. So what uh, what drew you to it? it? It was sort of a, I would say, a hot topic item at the time. And uh, I, I got back from our Florida vacation a couple days ahead of my wife and son. And I actually had the opportunity to sit down and binge some TV. So that's around the same time that I saw Earthrise and Kingdom, the Transformers series. And, you know, the, the Netflix was there. The series was out. It was a cartoon that I was familiar with. And uh, it was a talking point, really. So um, I, I wish I could say there was more to it than that. I mean, I did not have as much skin in the game as others do. So the... Uh, crowd reaction and you know uproar i guess i didn't completely feel as deeply but as it was discussed you know it was kind of a setup for C- or for series two so which as i hear is fantastic yeah, I, I liked it so. I, I i did manage to tear through the the second part of that um boy oh boy that uh sure got verbose that show, I you know we we got to be careful because it literally is, it's not been out that long and I don't I don't want to avoid some spoiler territory, but at some point you know, 
if you're waiting for He-Man, you can make a case you're still waiting for him. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, it was a very curious choice. I, I'm I'm interested to see how the fan base swallows it. And, I, and Mark, I'm interested in your opinion. Now, I have a, a bit of a, a... I approach this differently because last summer my son got just super into Masters of the Universe. Um, he found a box of toys and he found the DVDs and we watched every single episode of the Filmation series. He still watches them. He still requests them. And I fell in love with that cartoon all over again. I Someday we're going to do a Masters of the Universe special and I want to go through that because... I do feel like, while it is an 80s cartoon, we're not talking about, you know, some high-quality animation. It does feel a step above some of the things. It held up okay for me. I think the biggest mistake the show made was he, Kevin Smith directly stated that it is a direct sequel to the Filmation series. Which, when you say that, you're expecting... Not what we got. I it took me a little, it took me a minute to get past that. Um, it, was, it was good. I, I didn't. I, I thought it was okay. I mean, I didn't like. I'm glad it's back. Certainly, I'm glad that there's more of it, and I'm glad it, it, it's out there. And um, I, I don't feel like I'm going to show it to CJ yet. I, I feel like I don't really want him seeing. It's a Adam little violent for Run him. through um, from behind. Yeah. And uh, Mark, what do you think? I I think um, well, you know. To your point on what Kevin Smith said about it, he's welcome to think that. I don't have to believe it. Yeah. That's that's how I went into the show looking at it was like, I'm just going to take it for what it is. He can call it whatever he wants. I'm just going to look at it as a different take on it. And, you know, it's kind of like going into a Tim Burton Batman film and understanding well, this is an Elseworlds. <laughs> if you think you're going to get, you know, classic comic book Batman, you're going to be really disappointed. <laughs> Gary, I, I think that statement was more based on okay, these are the relationships that are already in place. Yeah. You know, these people know this, these people don't. You know, that that, that kind of follow-through. So they didn't respects, have to reestablish all that. In some respects, he was kind of his own worst enemy this time around because he states that. And do you remember me texting you, Gary, that, where he says, listen, we're not changing any of the costumes. You're gonna These characters are going to look the same. And then we went into it, and all the costumes <laughs> are different. And I'm like, buddy. He, he, he sort of overplayed his hand there. So I think that had a lot to do with me. I, I didn't dislike it. I wasn't review bombing. Like, I watched it. I was surprised that people were that upset about it. And, and for me, being a really, you know, Masters of the Universe is one of my big probably five in terms of, you know, the things from that era I would love. And I wasn't offended by it, but people were just really bent out of shape about that first part. And yeah. I was kind of surprised. And I'm like, I mean, it, it was odd for sure. And they cert and you know, the other thing, if you watch the, the post show he recorded, he is celebrating. Like he, he comes out and goes, can you believe we had the balls to kill Adam twice? And he's jumping up and down. I'm like, Buddy, you, you, you played that. And I, he was expecting that people were going to just be in love with this thing. And I think it turned a lot of people off. I, I think I, I would say I liked part two much better than part one. I, I thought part one was okay. Yeah, it was fine. I think I would agree, though, with your assessment, though. Part two does – he goes a little crazy with the dialogue in places. It gets very verbose. It gets a little too talky in some segments. And I think my other big criticism I would level against it is actually um, I was really underwhelmed with Mark Hamill as Skeletor. And not because he did a bad job, because the way the dialogue was written, it wasn't his fault. But the dialogue was written more like it was for the Joker than Skeletor. Well, not only that, but it's like uh, he showed up at the very beginning of the first episode. And then you didn't see him until the very end of the last episode. Or, I mean, at least in the first half, you know, yeah. the first series. Well, wait till part so, two, and you'll see my point that most of his dialogue okay. sounds like it was written like Kevin Smith was trying to write the Joker rather than Skeletor. Yeah, if you close your it's eyes. Like some of the mannerisms and the, the things he says and the speech, it doesn't sound like something Skeletor would say. But if you put it in the Joker's mouth, they'll be like, oh, I, I totally get that. Hmm, okay. 
No, you heard it here first, guys. Mark hates Mark Hamill. So um, not say that at all. We're not not say that at all. A mantra that we had. So I think early on, Darren told me I hated Mark Hamill. And then at one point, Phil hated Mark Hamill. Yeah, no. I mean, oh, I no. Mark hates Mark Phil so went after him on one episode. <laughs> not go after so him. I wanted to ask Phil a question. So like, yeah. we talked about like adaptations. And I, I what I loved about those was I think they were all adaptations that were fairly close to our hearts. So like, obviously, I know that you talked about Invincible in one of your retro reviews. Darren, obviously, your connection to Superman is well documented. And, and of course, with those things like that, I guess, Phil, when we're looking at better adaptations, like for you, what was it specifically about Invincible that you thought really kind of just nailed it? Like, was it that were they able to, I guess, transfer the tone of the comic book well to the cartoon? Did it just do something you didn't expect? Can you kind of walk us through why you were so happy about that particular adaptation? Well, I, I mean, I think that there's there's always that thing of trying to match the tone, which I feel like it's lost a lot in translation, which they, they did a fantastic job with that show. And we know whenever they make these comic book TV shows, they do something to modernize it or shift it a little bit from the source material to make it its own. And the shifts and modernizations that they did with the source material was not jarring in any way. And it still felt like the same story with them adding a little bit to it to make it interesting especially since invincible was relatively fresh in my mind because when i did the retro review um with the intention of the show coming out i had not read the run so it was very very fresh on my mind when i watched it and i was still able to enjoy it with every single episode that came out and it didn't feel like it was like visiting a friend you haven't seen for a while. Like, you know what you're going to get, but there's still something surprising about them. And that's the way it felt throughout the whole thing. I, I was not, I think Mark said it every episode, like I wasn't let down, like every single one, I was excited for how they were going to approach the next thing. I knew about the big twist. I knew about, I think we're far enough away now about his dad and, and what was going to happen there. And, even with that and in, in the investigation of the murders of the guardians of the galaxy and all, all those, those little bits and pieces of the show were just done in such a fantastic manner. And the voice acting was spectacular. I didn't think any of the voices didn't sound off from the way I imagined them, which is always a struggle as well, because you know, how often do you get like a character's voice and you're like, whoa, nope, no, 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 absolutely not. And that just wasn't the feeling for any of it. It just, it just felt right. It, it felt like it was obviously made by people who had a love for the source material. No, that's nicely done and nicely said. For me, with regards to the voice acting, I knew who was going to be in the cast because I didn't start reading it until after your retro review. Right. So as I was listening to the father speak, all in my head, I was thinking J.K. Simmons, and I knew which voice he was going to use for it. Um, and and um, Darren, I'm forgetting his name. Is it Walter Goggins? Is that the the guy who from uh, just what's Walter that? Yeah. Goggins. Yep. So, yeah, so he does, you know, the character in there as well. And so I was able to kind of hear that voice. And then with Steve Yoon, I was just, it was a really interesting experience when I started to read some of that in preparation to watch the comic book or to watch the adaptation of it. And I, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought they nailed the tone, but I was just curious because I know some of these things are very, very close to our hearts and the reimaginings and the adaptations, they can go so awry. And especially, like you said, with the desire to modernize these things. And when you think about what Invincible came out in 2003, I mean, a, a, we're in a very, very different world and that's only been two decades. And, and, you know, it does feel like that could have been, you know, poorly handled. And I thought they did it with the nice oh, geez. and with some aplomb. Yeah. Even adjusting, well. even adjusting the, the race of, um, of Mark's girlfriend, it, it wasn't, nothing drew attention to it. It wasn't like, Hey, look at this amazing thing that we did. It, it felt fine. Like it felt mm-hmm. like it fit. Hey man, I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Um, and by the way, thank you for bringing up Boyd Crowder, one of the top ten great yep. villains since we started this podcast. Um, Outstanding. The end of Mandalorian Season 2. Mm-hmm. Did you watch that episode knowing that was in there, or did you experience it organically? 
It was totally organic. And I know we talked about this via text afterwards too. So for me, that being the biggest all encompassing moment was I physically remember the chills I got when that character started working its way through to get to uh, Grogu and the Mandalorian. So I knew that that's what the case was when that was going on. And so or I didn't know that's what it was. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, is that, that no, 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 no. And I'd forgotten where it fit into the timeline of Star Wars itself. So where that show was canonically, I, you know, I kind of spaced out a little bit and kind of had it operating on its own sphere, almost like an extended universe kind of thing. Um, and so for me, it was fully brand new, didn't read. And, and so when I get when I start to love something or really excited about something, I shut off my desire to, to find out more about it. Right. Um, and that kind of thing. So, you know, if it's an MCU property, I might read a little bit about it because I'm really experiencing them somewhat firsthand just through the movies. But with Dune, for example, I never watched, I watched the initial trailer and that was it. I wasn't going to read anything about it until I got the opportunity to see it. So I mentioned before with Dune, I didn't even realize it was part one until it showed me part one on the screen. And so that's how out of out of uh, touch I was with the source material in terms of how they were going to adapt it. Well, the same thing could be said for the end of Mandalorian season two. No idea. And I know that that was unfortunately something that was spoiled for you. And, and that's a real bummer. But I mean, no, for me, it was a real moment. And it like, like I said, I think it was honestly the next day I started rewatching the entire series from from the jump. And, and it's just so I could get to that point again. And it was, uh, you know, it was cool the second time around. Obviously, didn't have the same gravitas that it did the first time, but you know, it was still just a, an absolutely outstanding moment. Yeah, it's uh, certainly. I would imagine at some point, if we ever do our top ten favorite hero moments, that is going to chart in there somewhere for you. It's a chart. <laughs> well, I'm just going to end up by saying, you know, I'm happy. Like Darren said, with you know, living in a world where we've got this Cobra Kai thing that he's crazy about, and that it's crazy to have that, I, I feel vindicated and you know euphoric that we live in a world where my favorite character death was almost Polka Dot Man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait, he died? No. <laughs> it's, that that was. You know, if if a year ago you told me there was he was going to be in a movie, not only was he going to be in a movie, but I'm going to like him, and I'm going to be sad when he's gone, I would have called you a liar. <laughs> what a world. It is. Yeah, we were so spoiled at this point, and yet <laughs> last month we did a segment of like, hey, what are we still waiting for? We have no right, right. to ask for anything, but we're still we're still going to, right? When when researching this, I saw the whole I saw the whole 25 superhero moments from 25 different shows in the past year and i was like oh no so we're very spoiled we are very spoiled man all right just as a recap guys here uh, sorry to cut you off phil but just as a recap i just want to go around for everybody real quick and we can follow the same order in which we presented some of our things was there anything on here that you almost put on there because i know we kind of avoided some honorable mentions so real quick before real quick before we wrap up was there anything that you really wanted to include but because we got rid of honorable mentions you had to kind of cut uh a little bit in order to get where we needed to go so phil i'll start with you is there anything you needed to cut from from your uh list I mean, not really. I, I cut it down intentionally. Um, I I always struggle more with this half than our later part because the uh, the later the later part there's it's it's a fight. So this is it's more straightforward because I don't get a watch as much. Yep. Okay, Mark. Anybody that you or anything that you wanted to include that you didn't get a chance to include on here? Uh, yeah, I'll just say that um, yeah, my favorite villain was almost Omni Man. My favorite on-screen hero was almost Captain Carter. I'm a sucker for a sassy uh, female strong lead, so almost got me there. Uh, my favorite adaptation was almost the Suicide Squad until I remembered Invincible. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, I had to go back and forth on quite a few of these. Awesome. Darren, anybody you want to bring up or anything that you didn't get the chance to mention? Yeah, uh, I, I sort of mentioned Richard Donner at the top for biggest all-encompassing moment, but that was a little bit more uh, directed to me. I almost went with Daniel's return to Okinawa, um, which would have been interesting in Cobra Kai Season 3. For favorite on-screen hero, I almost went with Superman. Uh, But I also almost went with Lois Lane ahead of Superman 
from uh, Superman and Lois. Uh, I actually mentioned to Mark a while back that I think she has the chance. Uh, oh, Eric, Mark, what's her name? Please help me out with that. And the girl um, who's playing Superman. Elizabeth Tullock. Yeah, Elizabeth Tullock. Uh, I think he has a chance to be the definitive on-screen Lois Lane. She did such an amazing job in the first, and she really carries Superman and Lois through the first couple episodes. Um, before I went with William Zabka, and I really almost went with rest in peace character, a bit of a wild card, Mister Miyagi, because in season three you really do feel his absence. Obviously, Pat Morita, the actor who portrayed him, died several years. I think it was two thousand five, but his absence is absolutely. It looms large over season three, um, so that's where I was. I, pro- I potentially was going to go with some of my uh, picks. Gary, and as far as me, no, I, I only had really one thing to pick from. So uh, <laughs> you didn't say the name of that. What was the name of that again, Gary? <laughs> Ma- Universal <laughs> Masters. Yes, right. Master. Oh. Revelation of the Universal Masters? For it is in the Master Revolutions. Evolution, that's right. No, it was Revolutions. Revolving revolving Master. Okay. Absolutions? (laughs) All right, let me me spin it on you, Matt. Anything that you left off? Honestly, you know what? It it was really kind of funny. So I'm really more looking forward to a couple of things that were supposed to have arrived this year but didn't uh, that I'm actually kind of looking forward to. And and I'm already looking at my list right now. You know, if I'm looking at adaptation, I'm really hoping that this time next year I can say the same things about the Sandman that you were able to say about Invincible, right? Right. I'm really hoping that that the the way that they're going to finish out Expanse Season (laughs) 6, which is only six episodes, is going to leave me with an indelible mark where I'm like, yeah, that show is going to rest in peace in my mind, and there's a nice little bow on the end of it, and I'm going to really enjoy how they finish that. So, in all honesty, nothing this year. I, I was really kind of surprised at how little I had, actually, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, I've w- gotten the opportunity to watch a bunch of movies and, and things like that, but I think what I did is I went back to stuff that didn't originate in 2021. Uh, you know, I've, I've done a couple of deep dives into things that I'd experienced and enjoyed before, but no, I feel this is a you know, it was a really nice year uh, to kind of branch out and check out some new stuff. But um, no, I'm really hopeful for 2022. And, and I'm sure I'm going to bring up a couple of these items as we look forward to the things that we're looking forward to. So, right. I think it's still residual pandemic, too, with a lot of these things, because yep. I was a little light as well. So regardless, later this month, we're going to talk more on the comic book side of our end of the year awards. Uh, you know, similar things that we talked about this episode. So, until a little bit later this month, from the panel scanners, enjoy your comics. <laughs>